Uh, good morning, Valley Church. And what a great day in the house. Whew. Power and presence of God. You know, it's like Pastor Tim, I, I prayed for him before he, like, the end of the third song, beginning of fourth song. I typically do that on Sunday mornings. I, I, I put hands on him and I prayed for him. But this, I heard really strong and said in his ear, Pastor Tim, well, I said, Tim, I said, don't. This is a really busy day today, a lot going on. He has a really lot going on. And I said, don't focus on what's next. Don't focus on what's happening. Or I don't think, I said, this is a moment in the presence. Let's enjoy it. Focus on the presence. And oh, my goodness, God just came stronger, didn't he? Did you just feel an incredible presence? Like, whoo, so good, so good, so grateful. Uh, last week, in fact, the last couple of weeks, how many of you noticed that you know we had some guests sitting over there, like Valentin Casillas, his, his family? Uh, really awesome to have them with us for a couple of weeks. And some amazing things happened while they were here. I believe it was a divine appointment for... He and his family to be here for those couple weeks. And the, the last day, the last evening that he was here, he started sharing with, with, with Renee and I uh, all of the things that had happened. And had a, it's like he was absolutely blown away. He was touched. And he had said, man, I'm changed. I'm changed, Lynn. I'm changed. And uh, <clears throat> so... As I was taking them to the airport, I said, well, no, after they got home, I called and said, Valentin, the testimony that you shared with me the night before, because at four o'clock in the morning, I was driving him to the airport, said, the testimony that you shared with me, would you video that and send it to me? I said, that was an, an incredible what you shared. It was amazing. Can't wait to share that with the congregation. So that character did exactly what I asked him, except one small thing. He did it in Spanish. It's like, that's wonderful. And I, I, I said, Valentin. I called him and said, yeah, thank you so much, but I wanted that in English. And he said, no, 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 no. For me to be able to express... He says, what I really felt, what I really experienced, I needed to do it in Spanish. Now you need to get it interpreted. So, <laughs> so Gloria, I don't know. I, I understand maybe every fourth or fifth word. So his testimony, when I tried to listen to it, ah, I'm going I'm to have it interpreted. So this is going to be... A surprise for me as well as you. I don't know what this says, so I'm going to uh, trust Valentine and Gloria. Everybody say, Welcome, Gloria. Well, I also prayed God give me um, wisdom to be able to interpret his heart because I know. The whole time he was saying his testimonies, like shaking, and I, I can see there was a transformation in his life. So I wrote down everything that he said. He said, hi, everyone. 
from Caldwell, Idaho, the city of the famous potatoes. <laughs> we, se we send you greetings and we would love to share our great experience with you from our trip to Caldwell. We also want to share about our visit to the church. This is why I wrote this story and so I can be more specific and it doesn't get confused. Hopefully you don't get bored. <laughs> because of us, it because for us, it was great. On Thursday, April 20th, it was our first visit to the church and we experienced for the first time something so great and extraordinary. As we entered the church, we felt the love of the people with each other. It real, it's really hard to enter a place and feel that positive energy that we felt in church. The love that we are witnessing is extraordinary. The hospitality that we felt as the days went on just made us think this must, this must be the promised land. This is just how we felt. On April 30th, our last visit to the church at about 10.30, we started feeling a sensation from the beginning of the service, and as it continued, we kept feeling the sensation. A second time, and it was just like a confirmation to us, this must be the promised land. <laughs> as the service continued, the pastor made an invitation to the altar. I took four steps up front, and as I stood there, I closed my eyes, and I concentrated on seeing God. I then felt two or three people behind me, not sure how many people because my eyes were closed. I then felt someone in front of me, and they took me by the hands. I think it, was, it may have been a lady because of how soft her hands were. <laughs> It, it, it didn't take even 10 seconds, and I felt an energy, and I heard her praying out loud. I felt like she wanted to share her energy with me, and soon after that, I felt my knees like if they wanted to fold little by little. I really tried to hold myself up, but I could not. I could not hear, I could hear her praying for more, and I could feel the energy in her hands, and I could no longer stand. I felt the hands again on my back that protected me as I was falling. I then, I, then I felt a pain in the center of my stomach, so strong that I could, I could feel my tears coming down my face. I started to cry. I'm not sure how long I cried. And then after a while, I felt like getting up, and I found that I could not get up. <laughs> I felt heavy, but then I also felt a peace that I had never felt before. And this is why my family and I are so grateful for all the love you let us feel, the great hospitality you gave us, and while we were with you. Our plans are to hurry back to a place called, by all of us, the, pro the Promised Land that we found in our visit to the church. And when we return, I would like to notify those in charge of baptizing 
that we would like to be baptized in the name in the name of our Lord so we can be a part of this great family of brothers new brothers from the Casillas family we send blessings to you all for my family this is so special and I hope to you all until then Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Man, just turn to your neighbor, give him a high five, and say, You're awesome. Isn't it great that, isn't it great that somebody comes from way down there, about halfway down in Mexico, and, and comes here to this church and feels like family, and says, I want to be a part of the brothers and sisters of this family, because I can feel the love they have for each other, and experience the love and, and, and the peace. When he was sharing with me the the night he started talking about, I want to share one more thing here. He said the pain came from his stomach, and then he felt it in his chest, in his throat, and as she was holding his hand, saying, more Lord, more Lord, more Lord, he felt a release. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, man, there is more than one way to cast out a demon. That was pretty amazing for him to feel, see, and experience all that, describe it, and have really no context for what happens in church or even what happened to him. So, God is so good. It's like, this, this was like a 34-year friendship. And I remember in 1990, riding around with him in my truck in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and him saying... Someday, Lean, I want to be like you. It's like <clears throat> having that desire 34, 35, 33. Yeah, that would be 33 years ago. Expressing that desire, then coming and seeing and experiencing what we almost take for granted here. It's like we just get used to what we have and the goodness of God and what we get to experience on a regular basis was so, so special to them that they call it the promised land. Isn't that cool? <clears throat> you know, I, I, I refer back to that and, and think that, you know, um, the life we live every day. Come on, Lynn, stop it. <laughs> Impacts the people around us. We make an influence. We have an influence over people. And we make an impression on people all of the time in our everyday and our regular the activities that we do. And how important it is, and we're going to get into some scripture here in a little bit, I think. Uh, how important it is that we maintain our beliefs 
and live a manner that's consistent with what we believe. It's like, yes, yes. Cameron, uh, Chuck and Cameron, Cameron Rogers and I were having a conversation. Uh, Cameron, Chuck and I were having a conversation a couple weeks ago, I think. Time just flying by right now. And, and she was just sharing with me. She said, those who know do those who don't do don't know those who know do those who don't do don't know it's like wow you know if we really know jesus when the when the bible talks about about knowing it's like being intimate with understanding and knowing and and knowing him right here those of us that know him right here are willing to do and if we're not willing to do we don't really know that's good wrestling thank you Cameron um, and, and that doing it's like you know we can we can't control the circumstances the things that happen to us the things that are going on around us there's a lot of things that we just absolutely have no control over but what we do have control over is how we respond to our circumstances and that's what people see and that's what people notice it's like I believe I know I, I, I know that your true heart is revealed it's under pressure your heart's revealed, your convictions, your heart. When, when you get put under pressure, what really is inside comes out, is exposed. I guess that would be a good word. So how important it is that we know in our knower and that we believe what we believe, but that we act out what we believe. Are you with me? A couple weeks ago, I preached on Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how they stood strong in their faith, stood strong in their belief, and what came out their mouth when they were under pressure was exactly what they believed. They believed in God, that he was their safety, he was their provision, he was all they needed, and they were bold enough to express what they knew and what they believed. I asked the question last time I preached, just like a question that we would all ask ourselves, like when it comes down to it, would I deny Christ to save my life or would I acknowledge him, knowing even that I could possibly be put to death? It's like, wow, it's like knowing and you're knowing. Knowing is doing. Doing what you know is right. So you better know well if there's going to be an expectation that what you do will convey your heart. Oh, that's good right there if you're listening. <laughs> I, um, man, one of the things that I teach um, the, the people, the pastors that are coming up under me, uh, students, I say, you know, don't talk a lot about yourself. So right now I'm saying to all of you,
do what I say, not what I do. So I'm going to talk a little about myself right now. It's like some things. I, I, we go back to the, even to the Valentin thing, you know, living consistently before him. And at times having very little hope because of watching him. Sometimes it's like, oh my goodness. He's been a wild man for a big part of his life. <laughs> and so good, so good to see what God's doing in his life right now. I didn't change how I lived around him. Now, there are a couple things that have happened in the, in the last few years that have caused people to see things in me, about me, that kind of surprised me. It's, it's really interesting when you hear back, maybe even through somebody else, what someone's experience was and what they thought in how you reacted to something go back to that. It's like there was I've shared this story once a long time ago um, I was at the Chevron just pulled in to put some air in my tire. I pulled up, I was tired, I was ready to go home I'm putting air in my tire and I look up and I see an older gentleman with a look kind of reminded me of Santa Claus with a big beard and he was driving an old Pinto station wagon loaded to the gills. I mean, the thing was just completely loaded. And I, I glanced up, and then I looked back down at my truck and my tire, and I want to get that, and I want to get out of there. I'm tired, and I'm ready to go home. But I see that he's struggling. It's like, oh, no. He's trying to push his car out of the way because it's, it won't start. He's blocking the gas pump. It's like, ow. So I went over to help him, and I helped him push his car out of the way, and, and then I could not help but listen to his story and the fix that he found himself in and the problem. And his car had broken down, something had gone wrong for him, all of his possessions were in his car, and he was trying to get back to Portland. And it's like, ah, well, can I just go home, Lord? It's like, okay, well, sir, I just live right up on the top of that hill right there above the Chevron station. If you wait right here, I'll run. I will go get a chain. I will drag you up to my house, and we'll see what we can do. He goes, well, I don't know where I'm going to do it. I sleep in my car or what. I say, we'll figure that out. I told him up to my house. I listened to his plight, and it's like, okay. So I went down. He had very little money left, just enough to get back home. So I went down to the U-Haul. And he has a broken down car. So I went to the U-Haul. I rented one of those big box trucks. And I said, all I have to do is figure out a way to get that car in that box truck. We'll work that out tomorrow. But for now, I'll rent the truck. We'll take it home. And, well, I have this motorhome out here. You can stay, spend the night in my motorhome. So he spent the night in my motorhome. And they were the construction company... Uh, was Hess Construction. We're actually pouring sidewalk all the way around. I have five acres up there on the hill, and they were pouring sidewalk and curb gutter and sidewalk all around. So they had gravel piled up and stuff. It's like, idea, idea. We can make a gravel pile. We can back that truck up to that gravel pile and just drive right up in there because there isn't a ramp that'll high enough to get into the back of that big U-Haul. So... I caught one of the guys that was there, and I said, hey, any chance you could get a hold of your boss 
and see if we could bring, if we could push that into a pile, use it for a ramp and park this truck. And he goes, yeah, 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 let me check. So he got a hold of his boss. His boss had another load of gravel brought, dumped in, just to make sure it was a nice big runway. We went out there and he pushed that with his backhoe, he pushed it because the car won't run. He pushed it up the ramp into the truck, shoved it in, closed the door, gave the guy just a little bit more. I used my card, gave him a little bit more money so he could eat on the way home, filled the thing up with gas and sent him off to Portland. The thing that was so interesting about this story is Mr. Hess, I've, I've known for a while, and Renee has known him, and he ran into her in a store or at the gas station or something, and he told her, man, Renee, your husband is the most godly man I've ever met. And I was thinking, what in the world is he talking about? <laughs> I've not been to church with him, I've not prayed with him, you know, but him seeing what I did for that guy, watching him wander around my place in the morning and, and piling that up, it's like, wow, that's a godly man. Is that not interesting? People are watching what we do. It's not about the praying. It's not about the preaching. It's about what we do every day out there in the field. So <clears throat> I just have to tell you one other kind of funny thing, and I know I've shared this story once as well. I, and sometimes, you know, our, our flesh, our frustration... Our flesh can absolutely get in the way of our godliness. <laughs> and I had some guys, some guys working, and there was a tip-out on, on a mobile home. And this tip-out had a rust, a deteriorated particle board floor. And they peeled and chipped that up, but it's full of ring shank nails that are rusted that they can't get out. So they've worked on this thing. It's like an 8-foot by 16-foot extension, not a big area, and they can't get these nails out. They've worked on it a couple hours, and it's like, so I swung by to take a look, and it's like, oh my word, you guys, what have you been doing? I'm paying three guys to do this? And so I give me that hammer, big framing hammer, and I got myself a little chunk of wood, I pushed it to the first nail, and just got a big run at it with a full-size framing hammer, and pulled that nail, shoved it to the next one, pulled that nail. It's like, watch, you guys. This is how you do it. <laughs> then the board slipped in just a little too far. I had my timing off just a little bit. So I shoved my finger under the head of that hammer. <laughs> <It's> like, <clears throat> I looked at it. You know, it's one thing to peel your fingernail up, how bad that hurts. But no, this broke the fingernail from the top, broke the end of my finger, about half inch of the end of my finger, and the fingernail, and I looked at it, and it's just like, oh, it's like, oh, somebody get me a, oh, yeah, I don't work. It's like, I said, you know, duct tape is not going to fix this, guys. I'm going to have to drive in, get, go to the hospital, so, oh, you need a ride? You need, no, 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 I'll be good. I just hopped around a little bit, and it's like, oh, oh. So a couple days later, the lady that lives there in that park cleans up 
mobile homes, you know, does the cleaning when somebody moves out and stuff. I was in there and I saw her and she goes, wow, I heard you really messed up your finger. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. She goes, can I see it? It's like, well, uh, no, they had to s stitch it back together. That, that, that's really cool when they burn through the fingernail to be able to get the needle through there to put stitches in the top. <laughs> so he got this big protector thing, up, you know, the big old you're sticking out, and she got, well, this is all you can see right here. So uh, she says, wow, I heard about that. I said, oh, yeah? What, what did you hear? She says, man, I heard you really smashed it bad, and when you did, you didn't even cuss. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest part of the whole thing was you did that, you smashed it really bad, and you didn't even cuss. Now, pretty impressive, huh? <laughs> there again, it's what we do every day. Now, I got a little bit frustrated because the guys weren't performing up to what I thought they should. So that was my bad, but I didn't even cuss when I broke the end of my finger and smashed it really good. All right. Ready to get into the... I believe, yes, my wife said, yes, you've talked about yourself enough. <laughs> I heard it really clear in, the, in, the, in, in this year. It's like, one of the things that we constantly have to work on, I want to touch on this and then I want to get into, uh, get into some scripture. It's like, I have written down here, choose this day whom you will serve. It's like when we wake up every day, every morning we get up, there are things that we have to be grateful for. Amen. And if we want to have the Spirit of God just alive and well and be in <laughs> under the spout where the glory comes out, Pastor Rich, that's just like, if we want to be in the center of His will, it is when we, if we want to be in the center of his will, walking in the center of his will throughout the day, we have to start our day with an attitude of gratitude and expressing to him the things that we're thankful for. Everybody agrees with that. So, you know, sometimes we wake up and, and by the time we put our feet to the floor, what we do at our house, try to do, at least talk, pray while we're still in bed, uh, encourage one another, and speak the things that we're thankful for. Man, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you. And, and Renee will be praying right off the, right off the gate. I mean, it takes me a minute or two to wake up, but she is one who definitely sets the example, and even for me, even for me. <laughs> She's a great example setter. Let's just put it that way. It's like amazing. So uh, when we wake up and express the things that we're thankful for, I want to tell you something right now that all of us in this congregation, in this valley, can be extremely thankful for. I looked at some statistics uh, yesterday, last night, and again this morning, refreshed. Did you know that half the world's population, one half of the world's population, lives on less than $6.85 a day? 
Half the world's population lives on less than $6.85 a day. Did you know that the global median income is $7.60 a day? Does that not make you feel blessed? Don't we have a lot to be grateful for? Should we not be thanking him for provision? And that we live in America? Some really good news. There was a 20% wage increase for the country of Mexico. In northern Mexico, where a lot of manufacturing and all is taken, the stuff that's close to the border, they now, for minimum wage in northern Mexico, make $16.11 a day for minimum wage. Which, man, that's over double what global median income is. But for the rest of Mexico, as you go just a little bit south, $10.69 is the minimum wage per day. Per day. Everybody, we think per hour. I don't know how many people in here work for less than $10.69 an hour. Probably none. So, man, even more reason to be grateful and thankful for the country that we live in. The provision that we get to experience. Thank you, Lord. So are we grateful? Yes. Glad we live here? Yes. Say, Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we could all give him a big hand clap for that. A praise clap right now. Choose this day whom you will serve. If we partner with the Spirit of God living in us, step away from uh, flesh. The, I, I just listed some of the things that uh, we become in our self-centeredness. You know, when we, the people that live here in the United States, people that live here in the Treasure Valley, that live in the beautiful state of Idaho, and the city of Caldwell and the surrounding cities, like, you know, this is really special, and we can take so many things for granted here and become quite self-centered. Everybody say self-centered. Self-centered in thinking pretty much that the universe should rotate, revolve around us. It's like, I deserve, I deserve, I, des I deserve better than that. Or we can end up waking up in the morning and thinking, you know, it's a pity party day. I just don't feel that great this morning. Ah, it's raining outside. Yuck. <laughs> or we can wake up, we can look outside, and yet look how green it is. Look how beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. We're no more drought. Wonderful. This is good stuff. You know, we partnered in, in, in around the state, and in fact, throughout the Northwest, even with the Mormon church a lot. We were praying for this year for, to break the drought. We were praying in, con, in conjunction with a, a lot of other churches for rain, and look how he answered. My goodness. God's good. 
So, so much of it has to do with, with our attitude. And if, 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 you know, what's the perfect man? The perfect man is he who can, will, himself, his flesh, the desires of his flesh, to come into alignment with that Holy Spirit living inside. That just sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> to deny your flesh, acknowledge the Spirit living in you and that still small voice that guides and directs you. Okay, that being said, we're going to jump in. Uh, this morning, it's like, My plan, my intentions were to study David as he was bringing the presence of God into the city of David and how he worshipped. But when I opened my brand new Bible this morning, first time, I ended up in the book of Job. And we're talking about a perfect man. Everybody say, perfect man. Perfect man. So we're going to start with verse 1, chapter 1 in the book of Job. There was a man in the land of Uz, 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 whose name was Job. And that man, in King James translation, that man was perfect, upright, one who feared God and who shunned evil. So what is a perfect man? One who fears God, honors God, and shuns evil. And it goes on and it just talks about his family. He had seven sons, had three daughters, and he had all of these incredible possessions. He was a rich man, a very, very wealthy man, both in possessions, in family, and he was respected, had a large household so that the man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Describes him as an incredible man who walked upright, was compassionate. I mean, he had all of the attributes, the perfect man. Well, one day, Satan came before the Lord with a bunch of other angels. They had a little gathering up there. And, and Satan said, the Lord asked him, said, where have you been? Satan, where have you been? He said, I've been walking to and fro about the earth and, you know, just kind of checking things out. And God said to Satan, it's like, have you considered my son Job, this man Job? He's an upright man. He is perfect in all things. An upright man with a great reputation. Uh, have you considered him? And Satan goes, oh, you think you've got something special right there? He said, let me tell you what, God, I believe, I bet, that if I take away his wealth, then he'll be ready to condemn you. He'll be ready to turn his back on you. And I would just, I, let's make that bet. This is kind of the way, this is a little of my perspective. And God says, Okay, I'll tell you what. You try him, but don't kill him or don't touch him physically. It's a deal, deal, all right. So Satan went about 
one of the points that I want to make right here, we, I got five points that I believe was significant from the book of Job. And the first point, uh, let's just say wealth, family, and health, all of which are very, very, very important to us. Our wealth, our family, and our health. Health being number one, family number two, the way that the way that he's gone about it with the temptation. Like the rich young ruler, you know, come, follow me. What, what does it take for me to come and follow you? And, and he said, sell everything you've got, come and follow me. He's like, oh, no, can't do that, can't do that. So the rich young ruler fell by the wayside. He, he's never mentioned again. So what happened? Well, the devil got a hold of Job. He impacted him. So here's an, a, a point right here is God is completely in control of all things. Right? Everybody say, God's in control of all things, even the devil. He gives him limits in order that we can be tested. That just doesn't sound very good. I don't like the sound of that, but it's very scriptural right here. He gives him authority with boundaries. So upon that temptation, what he allowed to happen, it's like, man, the first thing his... I'm not going to have to, we're not going to have time to go through very much. I'm just going to have to paraphrase, go quickly here. Uh, his sheep, his, he was a very, very wealthy man. His sheep, his herds, said, <laughs> things begin happening. The, uh, coming down, fire from heaven consumed sheep or camels or something. Anyway, his herds were diminished to nothing. They took away his wealth. The next thing that happened, his house, the house that all of his children were in, all of them were gathered together. His house just fell down on him. So the news that he's receiving is, your wealth is gone. Your family is gone. The only thing left is your wife, your children, your grandchildren. They've all, all been destroyed. It's like, wow. So what was Job's response to that was, well, I came into this world with nothing. Uh, so, well, are you going to curse God? What Job, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. What Job had been doing, I'm trying to fast forward this, so I need to. What Job had been doing continuously, it says, verse, chapter 1, verses 5, constantly praying, interceding for his kids, making sacrifices and offerings to God on their behalf. Job was worried, and he was concerned about his children, so much so that he was constantly praying, offering burnt offerings according to the number of each of their children. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did these things regularly. So he was interceding for his children, praying and making offerings for them. So make a mark of that. He was making offerings, praying over his children. So when you think of it, it's like, wow, all of his children passed away all at one time. 
the amazing blessing is that he was praying, he was giving offerings for his children. So I believe they went to heaven. Now, as we move on, Satan says in chapter 1, verse 10, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. It's like point three. God will, can, and does put a hedge of protection around those that he loves. And only allows somebody to cross over that hedge if there's a really good reason for it. And a big part of that reason may be to test the convictions in yours, mine, our heart. Do you know that we need to be tested so that we can pass the test to achieve the next level? Isn't that the way it is all the way through school? Isn't that the way it is in the military when you want to be special ops, when there's a call on your life that you know that you have to pass this test and this test and this test? That God will use his enemy to test you, to prove you worthy of moving to the next level. Everybody got that? Are we okay with that? Kind of, somewhere. Well, I thought it was important that I preach some truth out of the Bible this morning. I don't necessarily like that either, but it's truth. And the Lord told him, don't touch him, don't touch him. Now, we're going to move to three... 25, good grief. Chapter 3, verse 25. Job speaking himself, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Man, knowing that God's our provision, knowing that he, he is our comfort, that he is our care, that he has put a hedge of protection around us, what would allow, I think, oh, man, there are many, 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 many scriptures throughout the Bible that says, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. What allows the enemy into our lives? It's like sin, unforgiveness, unbelief. Sin, forgiveness, unbelief. Right? It's really quiet. So what Job feared most came upon him. What Job dreaded has happened to him. It's like, you know, we we can so oftentimes run around with that what if. What if? Wow, what if? What if? It's like, but God... The what if is there's God when we put God in the equation, when we put our trust in him. 
When we believe in our believer, so we begin to do it, acting in faith, walking in faith, trusting and believing, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear. So Job, it appears, was operating in and under a spirit of fear. He was a perfect man in all things, in stature, in, in, in the way that he walked. It, it, everything except he had a fear. Does this resonate? It's like, what Job feared most came upon him. Yeah, fear not, fear not, fear not, for I'm with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Okay, as, as we move on. It's like... Point number four is God will use, allow the enemy, Satan, to test you, prove your allegiance, prove your loyalty, but sometimes he will even use those closest to you, your family or your friends, to end up bringing the challenge and bringing the test to you. So three of his closest, but his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Job, now he has. God has allowed you can't take his life, but you can affect his health. God allowed him to have boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Anybody ever had a boil? Oh, horrible thing, horrible, painful thing. God allowed Satan to give him, to touch him, to have access to him, to affect his health. He had boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. He was absolutely miserable. His wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Put you out of this misery so I won't have to experience this with you, Job. <laughs> Three of his best buddies, his friends, came to him and basically said, you've got to have sin in your life. There's got to be something majorly wrong with you or this would not be happening in your life. Something majorly wrong or this wouldn't be going on in your life, Job. So his wife and his friends have all come against him. But what does he do? He stands fast. He holds to the belief in his heart, knows who his God is, knows what his God has called him to and for, and said, if you, even if you slay me, I will trust you. Amen. Number five. It's like, oh my goodness, we're going to slip down to 41. Chapter 41. Talked about some, some, some deliverance, and, and uh, Valentin, I believe, d delivered, experienced something. A pain happened in his stomach, came out his chest, and poof, it was gone. More Lord, more Lord, more Lord. More of God, less of the enemy. Poof, freedom. Okay, verse 34. Chapter 41, verse 34 is the significant thing here, which this... There is 34 scriptures describing Leviathan. It's like, I don't know how many times I've read through Job. I don't love it, but I never really caught all of this. Why this about Leviathan? I kind of read it quickly and skipped over it, but it was significant and prominent, highlighted to me this time. Chapter 41, verse 34. He... Speaking of Leviathan, beholds every high thing. He, Leviathan, 
is king over all the children of pride. Whoa, that's what I said, whoa. It's like understanding the spirit of Leviathan is not only connected, but is the king of the children of pride. Yeah, we should have several woes right there. It's like, to me, that this morning when I was like, whoa, the king over all the children of pride. Man, if there's something that we need to be delivered of, that we need cleaned up in our lives, like God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord so it, you do not have to be humbled. Because he, Leviathan, is king over all the children of pride. Like, whoa. Number six. We're going to go to verse 42, uh, chapter 42, verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. It's like, oh. Ah, the blessing in forgiveness. First of all, I want to reflect back to pride, 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 pride. What is it that keeps us from running to somebody and saying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me? My wife frustrated the daylights out of me this morning. She took off with my keys and then came back with the wrong keys. I said, oh, I hate to give you my keys. Oh, I hate to give you my keys. I said, every time, I prophesied it, every time something goes wrong when you take my church keys. She came back with the wrong keys. It's like, oh, I knew it. She put them down on the desk, wrong keys. She goes, well, I didn't mean to. I said, oh. Renee, and then I had to go, say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I'm trying to be the perfect man here, I'm studying the perfect man, and what I just did, will you forgive me for that? She just smiled, said, I forgive you. I still have the wrong keys, but at least I'm forgiven. Still working on that perfect man thing. So, uh, so here's what had to happen. God ended up speaking to those three guys and said, you know what? You guys were all wrong. Job was right. You need to take, gather up some of your animals. Take them to Job. Let him make the sacrifice for you. And then let him pray for you. And when they humbled themselves, brought the sacrifice to Job, Job offered that sacrifice to the Lord on their behalf, forgave them, prayed for them, and Job was blessed with everything back twofold, doubled. The really, really important part here is understanding those that have hurt us, those that have despitefully used you, it's incredibly important that we are quick to forgive them 
and through that forgiveness even be able to pray for those and be showered with double blessing. Okay. Pastor Christy, if you want to come up here, we're going to conclude with just... Um, I have two more scriptures that I want to read. Uh, I just, one of them was Luke 6, 28, and I just said, pray for those who despitefully use you. So we'll go from there to Hebrews 12, 27 through 29. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things being shaken. We know that we're coming into times that anything that can be shaken will be shaken. Have you experienced a shaking going on? As a nation, we're experiencing a shaking going on. The removal of the things that are being shaken as of things that were made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And what are those things that cannot be shaken? Our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior, walking out that belief, keeping our faith, making the declarations, what we believe in our believer comes out our mouth. Amen. Okay, 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Wow. Our God is a consuming fire. Can we see what the next verse is there? Or the previous. Did we get 28? How about 27? Okay, 27, which cannot be shaken, will remain. Then 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken... Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And godly fear. It's like we're not to fear God as we think of fear, but knowing and understanding that He is all-powerful, omnipotent God. <laughs> there is definitely something there to fear when you know somebody is all powerful and can do as he wishes and chooses there's an awe about that which puts a degree of healthy fear in your heart is that not right yeah okay an unshakable kingdom and i want to conclude with hebrews 13:15 Therefore, by him, by Jesus Christ, therefore, by and through Jesus Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let's stand together and let's just praise him through this song. The sacrifice of praise coming from the fruit of our lips.
all the saints.